Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Diarrhea! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. I could have gone on there for three minutes. Stephen Lakeford did on the pregame show. 95.7. The game leading you up until... Six o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. And I want to start right out the gate asking you. I didn't get a chance to watch this ESPN broadcast of the Warriors and the Pelicans last night. And this arena of heroes thing that they did where they assigned uh, certain characters to the players And they had points based off of what happened in the game. Draymond Green ended up being uh, named, what what is it, the Marvel hero of the game. So, the fact that, you know, I don't have a co-host, don't have a producer, I want to know from you at 888-957-9570, either through the text line or the phone number, I want to know from you... What was that experience like watching that? I didn't get a chance. I was watching uh, the regular NBC Sports Bay Area broadcast uh, with no sound on because I ended up going to the Sharks game last night. And uh, shout out to the Sharks getting into overtime and then losing after 41 seconds of overtime. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm kind of running on fumes here, but I want to know from you, how did you feel about this uh, Marvel thing that they did with the basketball game? Because... We saw what happened in the playoffs in the NFL. I did like half a show on SpongeBob and that being the theme of, what was it, Saints-Bears? I did half the show on that, and really, I enjoyed it. So when I saw this idea that they had, I figured, okay, well, the graphics and the animation, they better be uh, a little bit better than they were with the SpongeBob telecast for an NFL game. And looking at some of the highlights, it was pretty cool with, you know, Steph Curry shooting a three and you had the blue smoke trail in the ball. And whenever he knocks it down, there's a, you know, a big old like Doctor Strange type sign that comes up. But I want to know from you, what was it like? Because I, I didn't have the experience of uh, of watching it. And, and And I saw this before the game and I wanted to play this sound for you. Because, and we'll actually get into 
what happened in the basketball game because what we saw was a product of what happens when a team isn't ready to face uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green. We'll get to all of that. But ESPN were just doing a, a ton of promos. And they did one where they asked, uh, who was it, Draymond, Zion, Steph, Andrew Wiggins, Steven Adams, what their uh, superpower would be if they could have one. And here are all of their answers, but wait till you hear Steven Adams uh, at the end, and you'll recognize it because of the accent. Try to fly, followed closely by uh, invisibility. Try to just get out the way sometimes. My superpower would be the teleport. My son always talked to one of my closest friends like, geez, did you teleport here? Because then I can always evade danger. In the blank of an eye. I just wish I could teleport. Like, you got all these places you want to be. I love to travel. I know I want to be in so many places at one time, all the time. Be everywhere for everybody and to do anything. Versatility. Totally time travel. That'll be sick. Time travel. You know, I found like something, I can always go back and just change it up. <laughs> go ride a dinosaur. Yes. Time travel's a very complicated thing. <laughs> But Stephen Adams is saying going back and riding a dinosaur, just that would be his superpower. And I don't even know if time traveling is uh, an actual superpower. Of course, it happens in, in in Doctor Strange. But if time traveling is a superpower, then well, in that, in theoretically, Doc Brown from Back to the Future would be a superhero, right? Yeah, that, that, that's just immediately what I thought whenever I heard this super. Power thing, but um, look, I thought the fact that they're even trying this with the telecast, and I want to know from you again, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. What did you think of the Arena of Heroes broadcast that they did uh, from the four hundred eight? Not gonna lie, it was kind of whack. It honestly just seems like they're desperate uh, to get the ratings up, and I don't know if it's necessarily desperation to get ratings up. I think it's just. A, a way in which to get the younger audience to check out some of their games. And, and really, I'm all for it. I really am. I, I don't even care if the broadcast might have sucked. I wish I could have watched it. But again, I was watching the TV with no sound on and taking notes like a madman in the, in the, in the middle of, uh, in the middle of like a, a bar slash grill with the TV outside, and I'm like, you know, try to look at the game and watch it, but I realized, oh, wait, I'm missing the arena of heroes, so I do want to know from you uh, how you felt about it and what it was like. I thought it was a pretty cool idea, and I just like the fact that sports are trying something new. But I think the sport that can have the most success with this, and this is because it's easily the... Uh, slowest pace sport out of any of the major American sports here. Um, you know, besides basketball, besides football, besides hockey. But I think they could do a lot with baseball. And if there's any sport that needs help getting the younger demographic to view their games, it's baseball. And I don't understand why they haven't got to the game yet. We said this after the Nickelodeon broadcast, after the one with the Saints and the Bears, after that playoff game. We were saying throughout half the show, like, look, if baseball did this, that would be a solid way in which to get the younger viewers. 
Because that's the issue that baseball has. It's In essence, it's a, a, a boring sport to the younger generation, very slow-moving, and it, you know it's very methodical. And if you grew up loving baseball, then you'll have more of an appreciation for it, but it has a real tough time bringing in new fans if it's not what you grew up watching or grew up loving like me i you know grew up loving baseball right away like that's one of my earliest sports memories is baseball so that's why i love it now but anyone who didn't grow up like that anyone who's you know maybe grown up in a football household or a basketball household and they might be giving baseball a shot well they look at that and they think that's ah, too slow it's too slow but really what they could do is add some entertainment value to it. And I think baseball needs to take some notes from what football is doing, from what basketball is doing, because overall, I think it is a pretty cool idea. All right, let's get to the actual game. Halts the, the break, gets it to Toscano Anderson, now to Curry. One-on-one with Zion. Curry steps out, fires away, and says, Hello, young man. <laughs> Buries the triple. They've got 39. 20-point lead for the Warriors, and Stan Van Gundy's going to call another timeout. And that was a Steph Curry three over Zion Williamson, and then in the following possession, he couldn't get an alley-oop up. And I was kind of shocked when I saw that the Pelicans hadn't played the Warriors all season. I was thinking back on the year because, you know, you watched every single game, and you're thinking, damn, they haven't even played the Pelicans yet, but they hadn't. And last night... In the 123 to 108 win uh, over the Pels, that was just a classic case of teams not being ready for Draymond and Steph. It was classic. It was just a classic matchup. Draymond would bring the ball up court, then they hand it off to Steph. Steph would get double doubled, then Steph would uh, pass it out of the trap, and then he'd you know run around to whichever corner, get it open, look, and then knock down the threes. And overall, Steph. On the night, had 41 points on 26 shots. And he was 8 of 18 from 3, and then uh, 5 of 6 from the line. But I think that that was just a case of the Pelicans not knowing what to do. It felt like there was... Uh, it felt like there was one instruction that was given from Stan Van Gundy. And I don't, I'm not going to act like the Pelicans are a good defensive team because really, even Zion Williamson at times, even though he's just, you know, to use a Marvel analogy, even though he's kind of like Thanos on offense where it feels like nobody can stop him, uh, except for Draymond Green a little bit. We'll get to uh, some sound from Steve Kerr and Draymond talking about Zion Williamson. Uh, but they're not a very good defensive team. And the Warriors, they proved yet again that even though, you know, they're not that great of a team this year, in 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 hindsight, they are uh, uh, average, maybe above average at best, but they're not a very good team. They're not a very deep team, but it's a good reminder that nothing can replace the brains, the IQ, and just the speed of the game that Steph and Draymond have. Because one thing that comes along with double-teaming guys like that is you got to make quick decisions. And there were multiple times yesterday where it just didn't seem like the Pelicans could make those decisions. Eric Bledsoe was getting beat a ton. And, and, and Lonzo Ball, even though he's a good defender, he didn't look great yesterday, and he's been a lot better shooting the basketball this year, but he looked terrible. Last night, seven points on 18 shots, only shooting nine threes. 
But it was just the Stephen Draymond effect, and that's what it has. And Brandon Ingram looked terrible on defense. It didn't even matter uh, what the Pelicans were going to do offensively. It didn't matter that Zion scored 32 points. And he did it on 24 shots, which uh, for Zion standards, it's only he only made 50% from the field. That's kind of low because he's averaging 61% for the season. It was just a case of the Pelicans not being ready and not being prepared. But this was the matchup, quite frankly, that the Warriors needed to win as they continue to make the surge in the play in the play-in tournament, possibly toward the seventh seed. Not saying that's likely, but right now they're currently ranked eighth in the Western Conference after the Grizzlies uh, lost to the Knicks. But that highlight that I played, that one from the first quarter, that three over Zion, I mean, that was just one where, which was just vintage. Because it's cute, Zion. You could get your two. You know, you could barrel through the entire defense and then get up a layup, maybe get an and one. And, you know, by the way, that one in, what, the third quarter when the Warriors are up 15 and he's still flexing and, like, kissing his bicep? I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> I mean, you're, I know he's 20 years old. It's crazy that he's not even allowed to buy an alcoholic beverage yet. But he also got to understand, like, you're kissing your bicep. That means you actually got to be winning the game or at least within range. But you cut the lead to 14. Congratulations. Kiss the bicep. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. From the 925... I watched the ESPN2 Marvel telecast, and I thought it was really cool. I'm not a comic book guy or Marvel watcher at all, but I was into it. I was following the hero points all game. It came down to an extra hero point added during a fourth quarter timeout for Draymond to get the hero point dub over Steph. (laughs) Wow, there's just so much. Also, the Pelicans suck. Their offense is garbage. So many bricks all game. The Pelicans' hero points totals were very low. I mean, is that going to be the way that we quantify a game more than the box score is by just putting hero points on the board and seeing how well a team does? I mean, their their hero point totals are really low. That must have that must mean they had a just a bad night overall. And this is from Ernie, my man from the nine two five. It was fun. It's late in the season, and I was engaged in the Marvel telecast. Anything that they want to experiment with, um, I'm totally fine with. Anything that the NBA, the NFL. MLB, anybody, whatever they want to try, I'm all for it. Keep it going. Try and get the younger audience involved and have a little fun with it on the telecast because, you know, in 2021, you could do all sorts of things uh, on TV. So uh, that was pretty cool last night. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But coming up next... We're going to talk a little bit more about Draymond Green and just what lies ahead uh, with the play-in tournament. Plus, Juan Toscano-Anderson had the perfect analogy when it comes to playing with Steph Curry. We'll get to all that next. 888-957-9570. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And I asked this question at the beginning, and I'm going to be taking uh, your texts and calls on this matter all show. But I want to know from you if you watched the ESPN2 telecast with 
Marvel and their arena of heroes. I would love to hear from you on what you thought and just your experience watching it. I didn't get a chance to do that. I was watching the game uh, with no sound on because uh, I was heading to the Sharks game last night. Shout out to the Sharks. Uh, losing an OT with, what, 41 seconds into overtime. And uh, then, <laughs> then the Avalanche score, uh, just a kind of easy goal out of nowhere. So, I mean, shout out to the Sharks, though. It was a lot of fun. And uh, just, you know, getting back to sports, I've been to an A's game, been to a Giants game, been to a Sharks game. Now that's all it's, uh, now all that's left to really cross off the list is a Warrior game if I can uh, manage to get to one. But I highly recommend that if you uh, feel comfortable enough, you want to go to a sporting event, I recommend you do so. Although I will say, it was odd. It was odd more than being, uh, you know, being at the Giants game without fa- without many fans, being at the A's game with limited capacity, uh, being in the Sharks arena, being in SAP Center, I've never been to a Sharks game where it's just not absolutely packed. I've been to an A's game where everyone, if anyone's been to an A's game, you know, you've been to an A's game where it, it's it's not sold out at all. You could easily socially distance, uh, socially distance yourself even back in, you know, 2018, back in 2017, whatever. Uh, Giants games, you know, been toward the end of the season when not many people go and uh, people are kind of just there to sit back and enjoy the last of, of baseball they got during the regular season. But in the Sharks, you know, just like with an empty tank, just felt different, felt a little different, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, before we get to Steph and this analogy that Juan Toscano Anderson uh, gave after the game last night because it's a great analogy. Uh, but from the 925, I do find this uh, to be a text that I think more and more uh, uh, about. The NBA is a terrible product. And I'm not talking about social justice like a lot of other people who don't want to watch it. The rules, the style of play, and marketing render it unwatchable. And... I don't know if it's the marketing because they clearly try to market their players, unlike Major League Baseball. And um, the NBA does a lot of good things, it, you know, to help the community and, 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 and help the nation in general. Right. But when I'm t- when you think of the rules and how they've changed, you know, the rules are a different aspect that I'm not even going to get into right now, but the style of play is something that I think uh, is the key that I focused in on there, 925, and I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about Steph, and the fact that he wasn't around last season, and we saw that the NBA's ratings have gone up due to Steph. At least in part, they're going up because uh, Warriors games are becoming more watchable because of Steph, and due to Steph being on the court. And when you talk about the style of play, it makes you appreciate Steph that much more because there are a lot of teams who try to replicate what the Warriors started uh, back in the middle of last decade, and they're just not able to do that. And last night was just a perfect example as to what Steph and Draymond can do. Watching them on offense, now sure, the defense was terrible, and you know, some of these guys were practically turnstiles out there. I mean, Eric Bledsoe has always been a pretty bad defender. But Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson at times, Lonzo Ball even. Lonzo Ball is supposed to be their best defender. All of the guys on the starting five, Hernan Gomez, they did not look good defensively. But watching the Warriors on offense and the way that Draymond can orchestrate a double team on Steph 
and then get the ball to the open man. I think it's a very enjoyable style to watch. And many have tried to uh, 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 duplicate it, but it's never happened. And it's never been as enjoyable, um, you know, with teams that are primarily shooting threes, which is a lot, which are a lot of teams now. Um, compared to a lot of these other ones, the Warriors are a very watchable product because they know how to maximize Steph Curry's strengths. And some of these other teams, they got good three-point shooters, but some of it's done off isolation. Not a lot of it is done where Steph practically plays like a combo guard where he's just running off ball, dumps it off as soon as he gets trapped, and that completely fools the defense, which is what we saw last night. So I can agree to a certain extent, but look, man, I I, I just think that last night... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what Steph did to the Pelicans, putting up 41 points on them, um, it was just it was just a masterclass of how to move off ball and completely fooling a defense. That young team was not prepared at all for what Steph and Draymond were about to bring them. Uh, from the 707, just, just got in my car, nice guy. Hope you ripped that Marvel broadcast last night. Definition of unwatchable. I have not ripped the Marvel broadcast because I did not manage to get an eye on it. I was watching uh, the game with the sound off, and it was on the NBC Sports Bay Area broadcast, and uh, that was, um, and and I was, you know, outside of uh, my home, so I didn't even, uh, you know, have the choice of what to watch there. And you know, I might have watched a little bit of the Marvel telecast last night. I just think it's good that the NBA is trying to do something there. Um. So Juan Toscano-Anderson, after the game, he made an analogy about what it's like to play with Steph, and this is why when they go into a playing tournament, I don't think there's any team who wants to face the Warriors uh, when Steph and Draymond are playing the way they're playing. I mean, if you get into a street fight and you got Mike Tyson standing on the side of you, how you going to feel, you know? So, I mean, that's the best analogy I can give you. Like, he just, he different, man. You know, so uh, I know if I get into a pickle, I mean, I'm looking for him. He's going to make something happen more often than not. And, you know, the defense, he's just a magnet. You know, the defense is just, you know, gravitating towards him. So it's opening up a lot of things. You know, I get a lot of slips, get a lot of open trade balls, you know, just a lot of different things. So I don't want to use the word comforting like I go out there intimidate or anything, but it just makes you that much more confident. Like I said, I know how to fight, but if I got Mike Tyson on my side and I'm just Gonna have all the confidence in the world because I know Mike Tyson is knocking anybody out with a haymaker. So if I got Steph Curry on my basketball team, man, I feel good. And like I say, if you got 30 on your team, I feel like you're a competitor if everybody else comes to do their job. The one word that's been being used a lot, especially this season, and maybe it's because it's just the fact that we hadn't seen Steph for an entire year. So we almost forgot how teams guard him, but he's gonna be taking the double teams. And he's gonna lead, he's gonna have one of the players left wide open that can cut in for an easy layup, or he's gonna leave a hole in the defense to where he can get open. The defense gets discombobulated. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to cover. Then Steph gets an open look. And if I had to create one comparison for a Marvel character, as we're sticking uh, with this Marvel theme here, based on last night, and this is an odd one. 
and I know we do these we do these superhero comparisons all the time, and we do this uh, we do the whole well. If Steph is this, then that means this player has to be that. Or no, this player is is that character because this player is that character. And, you know, it, it gets all jumbled. And without really using much context and not having, you know, another co-host to tell me otherwise, but when I'm trying to think of a Marvel character to compare to Steph, it's a weird one. And it's not due to the size, but the amount of attention that he receives, the fact that he can take advantage of that attention and leave some openings for his teammates, Steph, to me, is damn close to the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) I know it's a weird one. I know it's a weird one. Like, Zion is probably a player you'd want to use as the Incredible Hulk just because he's big and strong. But I'm talking about in terms of the dude takes a lot of the attention from everybody, as the Hulk does, you know, and leaves other guys one-on-one or just with an open lane to get to the basket. The Hulk takes up so much attention, and he's always called upon when he's needed, and he's not the loudest talker, doesn't talk at all, as a matter of fact, just kind of screams. Steph is kind of the same way, but he also knows that he's the critical part in order for the team to have success. It's a weird comparison, I know, but I was thinking about it yesterday and, you know, trying to look at these Marvel characters and trying to compare it. What am I going to do for the show tomorrow? And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, you know, the size isn't there and, you, you you know, you want to equate him to a smaller type of character. But Steph really is kind of like the Hulk to me. He really is. And maybe I have that wrong. I'm not going to act like I'm a, you know, a Marvel stan. I've watched... Uh, every single movie, and I've kept up with the shows and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I do know the characters, and, you know, I could be wrong on that, but to me, Steph is kind of like the Hulk. Uh, from the 707, from Mikey Dubs, why is there always a shot taken anytime we're talking about limited capacity games? A limited capacity A's game is just a regular A's game. No need to put limited capacity. <laughs> It's like, I mean, come on, come on. From the 650, Steph Curry is dead shot from the 510. I'd say Thor. When Thor shows up and Bruce Banner says, ah, you guys are in trouble now. Yup, that's Steph. You could really go any any way with it that you want. Um, But, you know, there's all sorts of comparisons that you could make. And you could say that Steph is this character, Steph is that character. But really, what we're getting to is, he's a superhero. <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down to. And what JTA said there, when he said, look, if you go into a fight, if you go to a street fight, you got Mike Tyson by your side, how confident are you? I mean, it's the same with Steph going into a play-in tournament. Because these teams that they possibly could play against, whether it's, you know, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, hell, even the Lakers... Those will be some interesting matchups to watch going forward. Maybe not so much um, the Lakers because, well, it would be an interesting one, obviously because of LeBron, but I'm saying the confusion on the double teams wouldn't be there as much as it would be um, with the Grizzlies, uh, with the Blazers, hell, even with the Spurs, depending on what's happening. But I'm getting more and more confident, growing more and more confident that the Warriors are either going to get that 7th or 8th spot in the play-in tournament and they're only going to need to win uh, one game going forward 
possibly uh, getting into that seventh seed, uh, which could spice things up a little bit. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. If you want to weigh in, if you watch the Marvel telecast, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your thoughts overall uh, on the product. Plus, we'll talk a little football uh, as we had some get more guests on yesterday uh, to talk about uh, Trey Lance. So we'll get to all that coming up. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I had to play the Star Wars theme. I had to. I mean, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, right? That's the saying. That's how it goes. I don't know if it's social media and the impact that social media has had. Um... But it feels like people are kind of tired of the May the 4th be with you uh, aspect of it. But as we talk about the Marvel telecast last night, and I'd love to get your take on it and what you thought, because I didn't get a chance to watch it as I was uh, going to the Sharks game last night, and I I, uh, was able to watch the Warrior game on a TV uh, with the sound off, which was on NBC Sports Bay Area, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. Saw some highlights here and there, but would love to know uh, how you experienced watching it. And I came in here in the first segment talking about how you know, baseball needs to get involved. Well, because, the you know, the NFL already did their thing with Nickelodeon and SpongeBob. And, you know, last night the NBA did their thing uh, with Marvel in the arena of heroes. But baseball tonight on ESPN with Yankees and Astros are doing a Star Wars themed telecast in celebration of uh, of May the 4th. And the commentators are going to be dressed in full costumes, um, some on-screen animations. Carl Ravitch is going to be Luke Skywalker. Tim Kirkton is going uh, to be Yoda, which... You know, I'm kind of in on because I absolutely, uh, I absolutely love uh, Tim Kirkchen in the fourth in the first place. Uh, Kirkchen and Clinton Yates, who considers himself a Star Wars expert, will share MLB names with Star Wars ties, and Kirkchen will highlight his favorite Force plays uh, of all time. And then Steve Levy is going to be dressed as Darth Vader and will anchor studio highlights during the game. I'm loving it. I'm loving the fact that. These entities, these corporations are getting involved in this sort of thing. And we'll get to uh, the, you know, the game last night and just what went on. But um, this is interesting that baseball starting to get involved with it. And I think that if any sport can at least do something involving uh, on-screen entertainment, that is besides the sport because clearly the sport in itself is not entertaining to the regular viewer. It's entertaining to me because I grew up watching baseball. But for people who maybe don't watch it as much and maybe fell off of it because baseball became a little too boring with the three true outcomes, at least they're trying something different. That's all I could say. Instead of, hey, yeah, let's move the mound back one foot and see what effect that has. Or let's throw out the 
the DH idea, which they're trying uh, in the Atlantic League right now, where I believe it's called the double hook, where you have a DH in for your starting pitcher, but as soon as the starting pitcher is taken out and you bring in a reliever, that's when the DH is taken out. So it's pretty much a starter and DH package. Then when a reliever comes in, the manager uh, you know, strategizes and does whatever he has to do. So you have those rule changes, but that's not going to be the kind of thing that brings in new viewers. This is something that I think sports are going to continue to follow along with, and it could be uh, more interesting uh, as time goes on. Uh, but I did want to get to uh, the game last night a little more, and then um, and then the topic of conversation has been starting Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance going into this season uh, for the 49ers, and I just wonder um, if it's too soon to have that conversation or if it's a conversation uh, that we should be having right now. So we'll get to all that uh, in a little bit. But I do want to get to the game last night, and... Last night was just the classic case of, uh, or yesterday afternoon, whatever you want to call it. It was the classic case of the Warriors facing a team with Steph and Draymond that clearly wasn't ready. And they hadn't played the Pelicans this season. We hadn't seen Zion Williamson putting up uh, the efficient type numbers that Shaq used to put up in a in a Ted game stretch. He was matching Shaq's sort of numbers. Um, but this Pelicans team, besides Zion, clearly was not ready. It felt like the only instruction they were given was, hey, double-team Steph, it'll all be taken care of. But they kind of forgot about the whole, well, you should also guard other players, and if Steph moves away from that double-team, maybe you should keep an eye on him. But it seemed like the, uh, the, the Pelicans kind of forgot to do that. And in this first of the two-game stretch that they got against the Pelicans, the back-to-back, they got another one coming up tonight. We'll see if the Pelicans can actually make any adjustments. But it was a much-needed win for the Warriors. Because if you went into this, if you went into this game with a loss, if you went into tonight's game with a loss, and you possibly could lose two straight, you'd fall a place within the play-in tournament, the Pelicans would have gained a couple of games, and it would have made it far more contentious than it should be with the Pelicans, who have kind of just been trailing in that 11th spot the entire team, uh, in the, the entire time as the 12 through 15 teams in the Western Conference uh, just can- continue to be really, really bad. But the Pelicans have just kind of been hovering in that 11th spot. They needed this win last night. And Steph was the ultimate superhero with 41 points on 26 shots, eight of them were threes, and it just looked just so easy. You know, just it, it, it was just effortless last night, stephortless. And not only that, but it was also Draymond Green. And we can, you know, we can talk about Steph and how great he is, that three that he had uh, over Zion, and then, you know, Zion tries to follow it up with a layup, and it's like, that's cute, but, you know, my three-pointer is better than you, your two-pointer, and then just the math is in favor of me. But one other guy that had a great game, and he was the Marvel hero of the game, was Draymond Green, and he had uh, and he had a uh, 10 points. He had a triple-double, 10 points with 15 assists and 13 rebounds overall. And this is something that I think um, a lot of sports can take note on. Remember, Draymond said that he's not motivated 
by the play-in tournament. That's not sort of the sort of thing that motivates him. You know, what he what's he's motivated by is just straight up winning. He's not going to aim for a play-in spot. Draymond wants to aim higher than that. And I do respect that opinion. I do think we kind of ran with that clip and um you know, stopped using some context to it. Because it just said, oh yeah, Draymond not motivated by the playing game, then Warrior fans are in an uproar. But really what he's saying is he's just motivated by winning, whether there's a playing tournament or not. At least that's how I took it. But he had some motivation last night, and it was because of this Arena of Heroes telecast on ESPN2. So here's Draymond Green talking about being named the Marvel Hero of the Night. I'm excited as hell. You know, my kids were home watching, uh, you know, watching the Marvel telecast, you know, where they were. And, you know, for me to be the hero of the game, that's that's pretty cool. You know, my and they said I get to line up with the Avengers like my son loves Avengers. So uh, that was pretty cool. You know, I'm not one for, you know, I don't, I'm not one to kind of go in all in, all in on individual awards or accolades. And obviously this isn't like some crazy accolade, but just for me, you know, to have, you know, three children and, you know, the first Marvel game and, you know, the win the hero of the game, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause my, you know, I know my kids are watching it and they loved it. I got back to my phone. I had two voice notes from DJ. Like, Daddy, you were the superhero of the game. Good job. And, and then he's also telling me I shouldn't have been sitting on the scores table doing the interview. I know better than that. You know, so that, you know, it was just, uh, it was a real cool, that's a real cool thing, you know, to just have kids watching that and understand how much they love Marvel and Avengers and all of that stuff. And, you know, the way that, that was pretty cool. How cool is that? How cool is that? You hear from time, time and time again, you hear from players and it's not even just, it's not even just athletes. You talk, you, you hear, um, celebrities talk about this, musicians, actors, all of these people who are, um, you know, doing things in the public spotlight. A lot of the time, their kids aren't watching the product that they're putting out there because, you know, if you're an actor and the movie's rated R, obviously you're not going to let uh, your kids see it. Um, I always go to Dave Grohl the musician, the lead singer for the Foo Fighters, and, and, and you know, of course, uh, with Nirvana as well, the drummer with Nirvana, he says that when, you know, he goes out and goes on stage, uh, thousands of fans cheering for him, he's an absolute rock star. But then when he gets home, you know, and his kids don't even know that he just performed to thousands of people, they're just like, Dad, can you get me a smoothie? And they just, you know, they treat him like Dad. And I think that this adds an element to it, um, which is going to give some players motivation. You know, they're doing this play-in tournament as part of a way to um, incentivize these athletes, especially in the NBA, to not take games off. You know, like like the Lakers, right? Let's use them as an example. At this point in the season, I, I think this is what we were saying at the beginning. When the Lakers were at the top of the Western Conference, and LeBron and AD were still on the court, uh, which was forever ago. But we were saying, look, the Lakers are just waiting till the playoffs. They know they're already going to get in. There's no chance that they could uh, even get below the sixth seed. And, and you know, there was a there was even a a point that was being made about uh, LeBron and his ankle, and just saying they're kind of slow playing it. They're waiting till the playoffs and giving him a little extra time off. Well, now. They're three and seven in their last ten. They've lost five of the uh, their last six, and they're currently in the fifth seed 
but they're well within reach of the seventh seed. The Mavs are a half game back, and the Blazers are a game back. So that incentivizes some players to actually try and get on the court. But these types of telecasts, I, I didn't even think about um, what Draymond was talking about, just how his, his kids wanna, wanted to watch it. You know, and how often do the kids really want to watch their parents, uh, you know, do whatever they do, do what their profession is? I, I do think that adds a, an interesting element in, into it. And look, if that's what motivated Draymond last night, that's great because they needed that win. And Draymond was just absolutely dominant. Look, I know that Zion scored 32 points, but he did it on 24 shots, shooting 50% from the field. Now, for Zion standards, that percentage is normally above 60%. It's it's around 61, 62, uh, depending on the day. But those numbers right there show that Draymond was in his bag last night, and it wasn't just the assist, it wasn't just the fact that he had a triple-double, but it was just him orchestrating the defense. Now, the Pelicans, they're not that bad of an offense. You know, Lonzo Ball, as much crap as we give him uh, for his shooting motion, or as much crap as we have given him for his shooting motion in his career, um, he's been a fairly decent three-point shooter uh, by his standards this year, and not even just by his standards, by NBA standards, and he was held to seven points on one of nine shooting, three of 18 uh, from the floor, and he's very good getting to the hoop, and he wasn't able to do that uh, last night. And, and, And really... The Pelicans, they just looked lost. And I think a large, uh, a, a large reason for that is because of Draymond Green. And Steve Kerr spoke to that after the game and just talking about Draymond's defensive night. Draymond is just incredible. He's such an amazing defender. It's hard to describe, actually, because there's, there's so much nuance to it. But if you look past the nuance and you just look at the verticality, the strength to be able to, to you know, stay in front of Zion you know, without fouling, take away his angles, defend in the paint with verticality without without committing fouls. That's uh, it's really hard to do. Zion just goes through people, and Draymond is so strong. Uh, he was able to hold his ground and, and force some tough shots. I just I thought Draymond was tremendous. <laughs> and, and Zion, I mean, look, he's only 20 years old, which is just insane. I think he turns 21 uh, in, in just over a month in June. Uh, when I looked it up yesterday, I had to Google how old Zion was just to remind myself, uh, like, Zion's not even old enough to order some alcohol yet. I mean, he's, you know, he's 20 years old, which is just crazy. But him kissing his bicep uh, when they were down 15 points and he got the and one. And you know, at, that, at that point, it just felt like, you know, the game was lost for them because of what Draymond was able to do uh, early in the game and Zion just taking advantage of the second unit. But Zion, or, uh, Draymond was just, you know, he was able to read and react to the lobs, was stopping any threat that the Pelicans were giving him. And look, if any, the, the, the whole point of playing teams like the Pelicans, especially uh, with the likes of Zion, is just get the ball out of his hands. Get the ball out of Zion's hands. If he has an open lane to just barrel his way to the hoop, then fine. But if you are going to get beat by Alonzo Ball, if you're going to get beat by Eric Bledsoe, if you're going to get beat by Willie Hernan Gomez, then tip of the cap, they beat you without using their star player. But I thought the Warriors did a fantastic job last night of getting the ball out of the hands of Zion when they could 
only letting him get up 24 shots and only letting him knock down 12 of them. I mean, and, and last night. Also, when Steph is just knocking down these threes and then I saw Zion just pull up for one at the left wing and just completely doink it off the front of the rib. I'm just like, what, what are you doing, Zion? Are you, really, are you really trying to be Steph right now? Look, it was a great game. And right now, the Warriors are currently ranked 8th in the Western Conference at 33-32. and 32. They're three games back of the Blazers. Let's see if they can, on this little stretch run, uh, make some headway there, there to that 7th spot. But if it's the 7th or the 8th seed in the playing tournament, I'm all good with that. It just remains to be seen as to whether it's going to be uh, the Mavs, the Blazers, the Lakers, or hell... Even the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies can go on a little run, even though they've lost two straight, including uh, last night to the Knicks. So we do have another matchup tonight. Warriors and Pelicans again. Let's see if the Pelicans can make any sort of adjustment. But Draymond and Steph are going to be the two players who everybody is going to be scared of on the court. Expect some big nights uh, from these other guys uh, as well. But let's transition a little bit because Kyle Shanahan spoke on the Rich Eisen show yesterday, and he was asked whether there's a quarterback competition between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Here's Kyle Shanahan on the Rich Eisen show yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy's definitely our starter right now, and right now there isn't competition because I don't believe the guy would be, I don't believe Trey would be in a position to compete. Jimmy is too good of a player. Uh, He's got too good of a grasp of our offense, and he'll start out OTAs running like he's done before, and he'll be the starting quarterback. And I just see Trey coming in here trying to learn everything trying to learn his teammates and we'll just see how it goes i'm not going to sit here and say i'll never play a rookie quarterback and i'm not going to sit here and say i will play him it's that that's kind of up to him when he's ready to compete which that doesn't mean he tells me that doesn't mean i tell him hey we'll all see it and i think it'll start with me but it'll go to the coaches it'll go to the players and um guys know when a guy's ready to compete with a starter and you kind of get that vibe and as soon as, as soon as it's like that, I will let them compete. But I'm not really setting a date on it because I know how hard that'll be. Now, now, training camp is you know a few months away, so we have yet to see what Trey Lance is like in training camp. But Kyle Shanahan seems pretty adamant that Garoppolo is the starter because he doesn't want to put any pressure uh, on the rookie quarterback. But if everyone is speaking so highly of Lance and Everything that he brings to the table that Garoppolo doesn't, you know, the athleticism, the ability to break out of the pocket and to throw the deep ball on the run. I think that, look, I I think the training camp battle is going to be a lot closer than Kyle Shanahan made it out to be there. He was kind of downplaying it uh, with Trey Lance. He's not going to he's obviously not going to go on Rich Eisen's show and just say, well, there will be some competition there. I mean, hell. I mean, when the, when the Bears drafted Justin Fields, did you see the uh, did you see the headline from head coach Matt Nagy? It was Andy Dalton is our starter. So sure, you could say that Garoppolo is the starter, but I do think in training camp it's gonna uh, come training camp. I do think that those talks are going to escalate, and I think the uh, the battle is going to heighten. However, my whole take on it is, and I, I completely flipped. After the the 49ers actually drafted Trey Lance, because I was of the mindset before the draft when we were talking about Fields and Jones and and, and Lance, kind of all in a vacuum, I was saying that, look, if you're going to get this rookie, 
start him behind Jimmy Garoppolo. You could start him for a, a year under Jimmy. And then kind of like the Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith effect, as everyone's been talking about, bring him out in year two. But now that Trey Lance is the pick, and I was really thinking back on it, and you're watching, not tape, I'm, I'm putting tape in air quotes, you're watching YouTube, as you're watching Trey Lance YouTube and you're going down that rabbit hole, you're realizing that there aren't any highlights here. There's not any games from 2020. There is one, and he didn't look great. But my whole thing is, if you start, if you do not start him and you sit him for an entire year, I'm not saying that you know Lance is is, is going to be done. I'm not saying that it's going to even hinder his, his development. I just think that I am questioning big time what it would be like to for him to not play for two years. You know, not. Even getting, I'm sure if he played in 2020, then maybe uh, there would be less questions surrounding the 49ers and them trading up uh, all those assets to get number three and to get Trey Lance because there are some question marks surrounding that. And the fact that he didn't play in the top division, um, that's partially why. But also it's because he didn't play in the 2020 season. And I do wonder if that's going to do anything if they sit him for a year under Jimmy. Because if you sit him to start out the year and you bring him in uh, for Garoppolo, you're clearly not going to be in a situation where the 49ers are winning. Because if the 49ers are winning, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to remain the starter. Kyle Shanahan uh, always says, look, I'm just putting the quarterback in there that gives us the best chance to win. That's what his answer always was when they were talking about Beathard, when they were talking about Mullins, and we were having the saddest discussion ever when we were talking about Beathard versus Mullins, who should start at quarterback. And if Garoppolo's winning, then Kyle Shanahan probably thinks that he gives them the best chance to win at that current time. But if they do sit Garoppolo uh, to start out the year, look, personally, I I think that would be the move. You know, and I I don't know what Jimmy's going to be like after having two ankle sprains last year. Not one, but coming back in and then re-aggravating it and essentially having a whole new ankle sprain on top of it. I don't know if he's going to be that same quarterback. And even before that, we weren't talking about the mobility. We weren't talking about moving uh, in and out of the pocket. We weren't talking about the footwork. We were talking about the fact that he wasn't making the right reads. So when Kyle Shanahan says Jimmy's our starter, he's a starting quarterback in this league, not many people uh, can say that. Well, look, I think once training camp starts and you know the, the battle starts to escalate, I think Trey Lance is going to be making some headlines from training camp because as soon as you see him make that, that first deep throw, that one where he's moving outside the pocket and you post that video to Twitter, 49er fans are going to go nuts. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number from the 650. Sit him for two years. You're wrong. From the 650 also, though, way too soon for the quarterback talk. Is it? Is it, or am I just reacting to something that Kyle Shanahan said yesterday when they were talking about quarterbacks? I don't know. Could be too soon. Maybe. But look, shout out to the Warriors and the Pelicans last night uh, for doing the Marvel broadcast, doing the Arena of Heroes, agreeing to it. We'll see what happens on ESPN tonight with the Yankees and the Astros and their Star Wars-themed telecast on May the 4th. All right, coming up next, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe, the Butcher Boy Shasky.